The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. In today's message, we begin looking at the topic of perseverance and preservation. In Article 3 of the Articles of Faith of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, we find the following language that was adopted in regard to the security of the believer. We believe in the final perseverance of the saints through grace. If I were writing those Articles of Faith today, I would probably have called this preservation as opposed to perseverance because there's so much confusion in the world today about what perseverance and preservation really mean. There's a teaching in the world that if you really are a child of God, you absolutely will persevere in faith and good works until the end of your life. The problem with that teaching is number one, it's not biblical, and number two, it sounds a whole lot like absolute predestination. We don't believe in the absolute predestination of all things, and likewise, we don't believe that a child of God will absolutely persevere to the end. As a matter of fact, it's incumbent upon the child of God to make the right choices and to do the right things and to strive to persevere until the end of his life. But it's possible for a child of God to slip back into all kinds of sin and ungodliness and also even to forsake the kingdom of God and to go back into worldly ways of thinking. A child of God that does that will never be happy. He'll never experience the joy that he ought to have. But it's possible, and that's why we must be diligent not to let it happen. The problem with this kind of perseverance thinking is that there's two ditches on each side of that road. On the one hand, there's the ditch of pride, being lifted up in pride and thinking that you're righteous beyond others, and therefore you must be a child of God. The other ditch is the ditch of despair, getting to the point where you don't believe you're even a child of God, and there's no point in continuing to try. You see, the true teaching is preservation. Preservation in Christ through the grace of God. That if you're a child of God, you've always been a child of God. You'll never be anything but a child of God. And even when you fall back into sin, you're still a child of God, although you may be disobedient. Underlying this whole issue of perseverance and preservation is a misunderstanding of salvation in the scriptures. In today's message, we begin looking a little bit at that misunderstanding, the idea that everywhere you see the word saved or salvation, it's always talking about eternal salvation. And we're going to see that that's just not true. There are two types of salvation taught in the scriptures, what we call eternal salvation and what we call time salvation. And there's a really easy way to tell the difference. I heard a dear brother from a local church put it this way. If it's got an if in it, it's not eternal. I like that. And you can carry that throughout your Bible studies that anywhere you see an if in regard to salvation, you can rest assured that's not talking about eternal salvation. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. 
After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. church in a series that we've begun on the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God being that visible aspect of the kingdom, which is the church of the living God. I realize that in some sense, the kingdom of God is a huge topic. It's every child of God everywhere. But as we all can see by looking around us, every child of God everywhere is not in the visible aspect of that kingdom, which is being a member of one of his local churches. So what we're focused on is that kingdom of God that Jesus said was at hand when he began to preach uh, in his public ministry, and John the Baptist had already begun to preach about. And we've been talking about it in, here at Zion Church from the standpoint of what we believe and what our articles of faith, which were, which were adopted way back in 1847, of what those articles of faith say. 
and what we still believe today. And, and I just point out again, and I had a conversation with someone this week about this, that, that in years past, most, if not all, Baptist churches in this area, and, and indeed across the country, who were, that were constituted in the 1800s, or early 1900s, all shared the same articles of faith. You can go back to, for example, the Pickens County Baptist Association. And their articles of faith as recent as 1948 were almost identical to the articles of faith here at Zion Primitive Baptist Church. But as we know, many churches, and I don't say this to be critical, just to point out the facts, that many churches have gotten away from those articles of faith. I'm so thankful that here at Zion Church that it's been 175 years and we still believe the same things. And it's not because those seven people who were charter members were so smart or because they were such great theologians. It's because they based the articles of faith on what the scriptures say. And that's my point and my whole desire in going through this is that we might see what it is that the scriptures teach and be confident and assured that our articles of faith and what we believe lines up with the scriptures. Because I can tell you, if what we believe does not line up with the scriptures, we don't need to change the scriptures, we need to change what we believe. <laughs> so we need to be sure that there's a standard there and it's not you and me. It's not some theologian, it's not some preacher, it's the word of God. So we have finished up almost in article three, which says, this, we believe in the doctrine of election, predestination, and the final perseverance of the saints through grace, and that God chose his people in Christ before the world began. We've already talked about the doctrine of election, but there's a phrase in this article of faith, article three, that we need to deal with this morning. Because it's an issue out there that many people misunderstand, and many who actually believe in the doctrine of election misapply and, and actually bring bondage, I believe, to God's people. And it says this, this is what we believe. The, we believe in the final perseverance of the saints through grace, okay? The final perseverance of the saints through grace. There are some issues out there about this term perseverance. We're gonna see that what these seven charter members believed when they adopted this article of faith was not some kind of corrupted perseverance doctrine that says that if you really are a child of God, you will persevere in faith and good works to the end of your life or else you never were a child of God. Because that's the teaching out there in many circles. And they say, oh, well, you know, if you don't persevere, in other words, if you don't live a good life that is continually going forward and never falling back and, and, and you, you don't get the doctrine right and you fall away from that, then you just never were a child of God and you're, you're going to die and go to hell uh, because you didn't persevere. But notice what they said here. They talked about not the perseverance of the saints through works and not the perseverance of the saints through faith even, but the perseverance of the saints through grace. There's another term out there that's probably a better term. I, I like, I would, if I had been going back to 1847 and, and was able to say, uh, you know, I have an opinion about the choice of wording, I would have used the word preservation. Preservation, because the truth of the matter is what they meant there, uh, and, and at that day, the, when, when you ever read something that says perseverance through grace, that's the same thing as preservation. 
Let's talk about that just for a few minutes. And if the Lord will bless us, we're going we're gonna to hopefully get to the root of the problem of understanding why people misunderstand this. So let's talk about the teaching in the world today. And as I said already, the idea in the world today is that if you ever really were a born-again child of God, then your progressive sanctification in good works and faith will prove it. That's the only way you can ever be assured that, that you look at somebody and if they are still, they're doing things they shouldn't, they're, they're falling back into sin and they're doing things they ought not to do, then they're definitely going to hell. You can pretty much judge them that way. You can look at their lives and see. Or if they deny the faith, if they get away from, the, 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 uh, they get away from church and they, they slip away and they go, go out into the world again and, they, and you see them no longer in church, say, well, they just never were a child of God. You can judge that they're going to hell. Well, I got some news for you. There's a problem with that thinking. I don't know if you've noticed it lately, but my tendency is not to move forward. My tendency in the flesh is to always be moving backwards. I'm constantly in a battle. And, and let, me, let me go ahead and say this. Let me, let me go ahead and say this right now. We're not here preaching or teaching, and the Bible doesn't teach, that it's okay not to persevere. You ought to persevere. Perseverance just means keeping on, keeping on. You're not letting up. You're going to keep going forward. You're going to keep serving the Lord. You're going to keep doing good works. You should do that. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 10, after telling us it's by grace that you're saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. He says we are, God, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works that we should walk in them. Those that believe in the perseverance doctrine believe that, that actually says that we shall walk in them. That's not what he says. That's some kind of absolute doctrine that, oh, well, you are going to persevere. No, the Lord has not predestinated us to persevere. The Lord has called us to persevere. The Lord said we ought to persevere. And I can promise you this, you'll have no assurance within yourself of salvation unless you're persevering. <laughs> I, I, I don't know about you, but I don't feel very assured of my position as a child of God when I'm engaged in active sin. <laughs> in fact, that's when I question myself. That's when I get more uh, uh, in despair than ever before when I'm, when I'm struggling with a sin and I keep getting defeated by it. <laughs> but by the way, that's when I also have to look to the great promise that not one will be lost out of the covenant of grace. But the world's view of perseverance is that, the only, that, that everyone who is truly a child of God will persevere in faithfulness and good works to the end of their days. Even John Calvin made this statement in his commentary on Hebrews. The grace of God is offered to us in vain, except we receive the promise by faith and constantly cherish it in the bosom of our heart. That's a, a statement that we ought to do, but I'm sorry, I struggle with that. And I know you struggle with that. And I'm not saying it's okay to struggle with that. It's wrong to struggle with that. It's wrong not to cherish our faith and our great, the grace of God in the bosom of our hearts daily, but I know from experience that that doesn't happen with anybody. We all struggle with that from time to time. There's a man out there, and I don't, I don't, I don't normally call names, and I don't want to be, uh, I, I don't mean this uh, in, a, in, a, in a harsh way, but I'm going to use this man's name because he's out there preaching, and the things that he's preaching are oppressive I believe to children of God he believes in the doctrine of election he believes in the doctrine of predestination that we've been predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son his name is Paul Washer 
And how he became famous was in 2002 in Montgomery, Alabama, there was a youth evangelism conference that was attended by about 5,000 people, 5,000 young people. And he preached what they call the shocking message, and it was kind of a shocking message at the time, from Matthew chapter 7, where he starts talking about in verse 13, the narrow way and the broad way, okay? And what he basically did is he told most everybody, everybody in that crowd were members of churches. Everybody in that crowd was, had made a profession of faith, or as most of them had, I'll say it that way. I don't know about each and every one individually. But he told that crowd, he said, that most of you are going to hell, <laughs> That's why it was kind of shocking, you know, it was kind of, but he, he said, you're, you're probably going to hell because he was preaching this progressive sanctification and perseverance in good works as the only proof that you really are a child of God. And this is what he said. I'm, I'm taking a quote from that message. What I'm getting at is this. If you're genuinely a born again Christian, a child of God, you will walk in the way of righteousness as a style of life. And if you step off that path of righteousness, the Father will come for you. He will discipline you and he will put you back on that path. Now, again, I want to rightly divide this. And I want us to understand that if you're a born-again child of God and you get off of the path that you ought to be on, yes, there will be consequences. You will suffer. You will suffer within your spirit. Your spirit will convict you. Your heart, your born-again heart. Now, that fleshly heart, it's going to be happy over there. But, but you're, you're going to be convicted by that, and the Lord will deal with you, okay? But here's the problem with this progressive sanctification as the only evidence of being a child of God or the fact that you will absolutely persevere in good works and faith. That sounds suspiciously like absolute predestination, and we don't believe in that. We don't believe that God has predestinated things, all things that occur. I know this church slipped into that one time. I know that was the primary teaching in many of the primitive Baptist churches in this area. But that is not what the Bible teaches. That is not what we believe. We do not believe that you sitting here this morning, is, it was predestinated by God. You didn't have to be here. You know, you ought to be here, and I'm glad you are here, but you could have got up this morning and said, you know, the rain's over, I want to get out and enjoy the things of this world. You could have chosen to stay home. <laughs> you know, you should be here, and I'm thankful that you are. But you are not absolutely predestinated to be here. There's some more problems with that we're going to come back to, Lord willing. There's some problems practically that will cause us so many issues. And I'll go ahead and tell you, there's, you know, it's like most roads. Every road you get on, there's two ditches, right? There's one on each side. If you're, if you're not careful, if you, if you buy into this ditch, this, this, this false teaching that you will absolutely persevere no matter what, if you really are a child of God, then there's two ditches you can get into. You can get into the ditch of pride, start looking around you and say, oh, well, I must be, I'm better than him. <laughs> I'm better than her, so I must be, I must be a child of God. I must, you know, you know, I read about a man in Luke 18 that prayed that way. Lord, I thank thee I'm not like this publican. I thank thee that I do all this great stuff. I'm so good. I'm so, I'm so righteous, you know. You know then, you, then the other ditch, though, is the ditch of despair. I've known people that believed in this that got so in despair over the fact that there's just no way they could possibly be a child of God because they struggle so much with sin. And they get over here and they say, it's just no point. I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit coming to church. I'm going to quit trying. I just, I give up. See, that's the two ditches you'll get into. So let's talk about for a minute the biblical view of perseverance or also what 
I call preservation. The problem is a mistaken understanding of Scripture. Now, this is, this is a statement by R.C. Sproul, who is a very well-known Reformed preacher, Reformed doctrine preacher. And, and I want to read the statement to you, and there's a way in which I agree with him. There's a way I don't. He says, if you have it, that is, if you have eternal salvation, you will never lose it. But if you lose it, you never had it. Now, if that is applied to the eternal security of the child of God, that's a true statement. If you've ever been a child of God, you've always been a child of God, and you always will be a child of God, and you'll never lose it. We're going to see that from Scripture. If, however, that's applied to your daily walk, that if you lose your daily walk with God and you lose your progressive sanctification, as it's called, where you progressively get better and better and better to one day you get to go to heaven, then I don't agree with that at all. And that's what we're talking about this morning. The perseverance through grace or preservation in Christ is something different than what the world is teaching. The right view of this topic is that perseverance is indeed through grace. As the statement says here in our Articles of Faith, it's through the grace of God. And the grace of God is not given by any means. That's another topic for another day, but just understand that grace is not given. The new birth, the grace we have in, in the new birth is a, is a sovereign act of the Holy Spirit. Think about it. If you're a dead man, what do you need? You don't need to be told some steps to do to get life because you're dead. You can't operate in the realm into which you're dead. But if you're, if you're a dead man, you need life. You don't need a doctor. You don't need a 12-step program. You don't need a Roman road to salvation. You need the only road to salvation that could possibly be, which was what the Lord Jesus Christ walked on the road up the hill of Calvary. So perseverance through grace is, is the same thing as preservation in Christ. Because you see, in your daily walk, you can fall back into sin. You can regress from the repentance. You just can't ever lose your eternal salvation. That's the warning that Paul keeps giving us over and over and over. Give the more earnest heed to these things in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1, lest we let them slip. If you couldn't let them slip, why is he warning you against letting them slip? That's just a false teaching, right? He says, you've got to give the more earnest heed. You've got to be diligent. You need to persevere. You won't absolutely persevere. That's not predestinated by God. But you ought to try. And you ought to strive. And you ought to do everything you can to persevere, but understand that our preservation is in Christ through His grace. John 6 and 37, one of my favorite Verses. I want you to listen to this because it teaches all, it really teaches all we need to know about salvation, doesn't it? <laughs> it tells us that there was a people given to, the, to Jesus by the Father. All that the Father giveth me. John 6, 37. All that the Father giveth. There was a people given to Jesus by the Father. And it says, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Now, that's not talking about coming to him in a gospel belief way, but it's talking about being born again being born again by the Spirit. Every single one that was chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world will be born again. By the way, let me remind you about the doctrine of election, about how it's not exclusive. It's the most inclusive doctrine there is because it tells us that he has a people in every kindred and nation and tongue and tribe. 
even those in the depths of the Amazon jungles, in the, in the dark reaches of the Congo or wherever they are, God has a people and he will save them from their sins. In fact, he has done that. Jesus said that in, um, I'm sorry, the angel said that in Matthew 121 when talking to Joseph. He said, he shall save his people from their sins. Praise God for that. And, and, and by the way, don't worry about that person that really, 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 really wants to go to heaven. Just wants to go so bad. Loves the Lord. Wants a home in heaven. And can't get there because the Lord didn't cho choose him in Christ before the foundation of the world. Remember what we said, that is a fictional character. <laughs> that person doesn't exist. If you find one, whatever their denomination, whatever their beliefs are, you find one that desires Christ in sincerity and has a sincere desire to go to heaven. That's the strongest proof there is that that one has been born of the Spirit, that that one was chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. <laughs> There's nobody out there that wants to go to heaven that can't because they weren't chosen in Christ. In fact, the very desire to go to heaven and be with Christ is evidence of, their elect, of the electing grace of God in their lives. So John says, though, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Okay, in the new birth there, they'll be born again. But notice this, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. I will in no wise. That means there's just no way <laughs> that you're going to fall out of the hand of the Lord. You worried about if the Lord, you know, well, I know God's great. What about Jesus? John chapter 10. Over in John chapter 10 and verse 27, he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life. By the way, would it be eternal if you could lose it? It wouldn't be eternal if you could lose it, would it? <laughs> it wouldn't be. There's no eternal life. It's just that. It's eternal. And by, and by the way, we possess it now. It says, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, not will be, already is. He says, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. But wait a minute, can't you pluck yourself out of the hand of the Lord? Are you any man? <laughs> Are you any man, which includes women? Are you a person? And you can't pluck yourself out. Of the hand of the Lord. No man, he says, My father, I'm sorry, I give unto them eternal life, they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Now, in case you're worried about, well, Jesus was here on earth when he said that, and maybe the fathers didn't know. My father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. <laughs> Jesus and the Father were one. The Trinity is true, He really is God. And by the way, as God, when he purposes to save one, no man, including that person, can thwart that. See, eternal life wouldn't be eternal if you could lose it. In the, in the time we have left, I want to I try to get to the root of the problem. And this is the root of more problems than just perseverance doctrine. It, it's a doctrinal problem, and it's, it's, it, it permeates most of modern religion. And it can get in, if we're not careful, it can mess us up too. You see, most people see no difference in the salvations that are taught in the Word of God. In other words, they see no difference in what we call eternal salvation and time or timely salvation. And they don't understand that there's at least, there are two types of salvation taught in the Bible. 
Uh, and, and you can kind of think of it this way. Let's, over here on this side, we'll put the category of eternal salvation. And over here on this side, we'll put the category of time salvation. Some people call it blessings and obedience. That's, we kind of use the word time salvation as shorthand to, to explain that we're not talking about eternal salvation. And, and over here in this column, there's one type of salvation, and that is the salvation wrought on the cross by the Lord Jesus Christ. Eternal salvation, period, end of story. It's caught up in what the Lord has done for us. Over here, in this column over here under time salvation, there's a whole lot of different types of salvation. You say, wait a minute, preacher. I don't read the term time salvation in the scripture. I don't, I don't see that anywhere. Well, I'll tell you something else you don't read in the scripture. You don't read the term trinity either. But we believe that, the, that God is a trinity. He's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You don't find the term trinity, but you find the concept taught. And that's the same thing with time salvation. And I want to point you to just a couple places. Turn over to Exodus chapter 14. In Exodus chapter 14, you'll read about the children of Israel as they're going up. Uh, they're leaving the land of Egypt, and, and they're going, they get up to the Red Sea, and they get stopped there at the Red Sea. And then Pharaoh changes his mind and comes after them. And so now they're faced with the Red Sea in front of them and Pharaoh behind them. And you know the rest of that story. Uh, the Lord spoke to Moses and said, you know, raise up your rod and the waters will part. And they did part. They passed over. And then Pharaoh's army tried to pass over and they fell on them and destroyed them. And in verse 30, I want you to listen to what he says. Thus, in verse 30, Exodus 14 and verse 30. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and, Egyptian, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. Did he save them for eternal heaven that day? No, he didn't, and he's not talking about the new birth or regeneration here. That's a that day salvation that occurred there. He delivered them out of the hands of the Egyptians and across the Red Sea. See, that's a time salvation. A timely salvation. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.